You are listening to the weekly podcast from Journey Christian Church. For more information about Journey, please check out our website at journeychristian.com. We are a community of fully devoted disciples of Jesus who reach out to love our neighbors, serve the hurting, and develop leaders for ministry. Last month, my wife and I went on a trip. We went to, uh, really went to Greece and Italy. It was the trip of a, a lifetime, as you might imagine. It was one of those bucket list items. In fact, here's a photo of us in Florence, uh, Italy. And my wife said, don't use that picture. And I said, why? She said, because I look seven feet tall. <laughs> she's not seven feet. She's six, nine. Um, <clears throat> But this photo and really all the photos that we took, in fact, the whole trip almost never happened. And here's, here's why. The plan was to fly from Orlando to Washington, D.C., and then to Rome to catch a cruise. And Sandy said, well, let's, let's go a day early just so we don't have any problems in case there's delays. And I said, no, let's not do that. It's too much money. Everything will be fine. Well, when we got to uh, our, in Orlando uh, to fly out to D.C., our plane was an hour and 15 minutes late leaving. And so when we arrived in D.C., it was exactly at the same time our flight to Rome was supposed to be leaving. As you might imagine, we were in full panic mode because you missed the flight, missed the cruise. And so we got off the plane and we realized we were 39 gates away from where we needed to be in the airport. And right at that moment, too, we heard over the intercom, last, last call, last boarding call for flight, our flight. So we're in super panic mode. So we start sprinting. I'm, I'm running, I'm, I'm yelling, I'm dodging in and out, I'm ducking, I'm weaving. And I look back, and Sandy's nowhere in sight. I totally smoked her in the sprint, uh, naturally. But... Uh, I get, to, I get to the gate, and I'm all sweaty. My heart rate's at like 200. <laughs> you know, I'm breathing. I can't catch my breath. And I look back, and just at that second, she comes rolling up on one of those electric carts. We're here. <laughs> I mean, true story. So it was just at that moment, too, that we found out that the pilot of our airplane to Rome had decided to wait for us. And we, we could, I mean, we were like, he just saved our vacation. Can you believe it? We were like so, so thankful. In fact, on the flight to Rome, we were like, okay, when we land in Rome, we got to find this pilot. We got we to gotta find him. We got to thank him personally. So that's exactly what we did. We went to the flight attendant. We said, who's the pilot? Where is he at? And so we found him. And I walked right up to him. I looked him in the eyes, uh, shook his hand. I said, listen, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You saved our vacation. And Sandy added, and our marriage. So... <laughs> It was an amazing trip. Let me show you this picture from our trip. This is me in Athens. Um, and so I'm standing next to a plaque that's in the Agora in Athens. This is in Acts chapter 17. There's a sermon that Paul preaches. That sermon is on this plaque. It's in Greek. And this is the traditional location of perhaps where he spoke to the philosophers in Athens. You can read all about it in Acts chapter 17. The other place we went, well, we went to lots of places, but the other cool place we went to was Malta. Malta is an island that is mentioned in Acts chapter 28. 
It's where Paul has a shipwreck and about 200 or so people find themselves stranded on this island for a while. It's where he gets bit by a snake. If you ever read that story, if you haven't, go to Acts 28 and you can hear more about it. I'm just so grateful for the opportunity that we had to travel and to experience some of this stuff. In fact, all of us just celebrated a day last week, right, of giving thanks. Let me take a survey. How many of you express gratitude to at least one person last week. Now, if you thanked your pet or you thanked yourself, that, that doesn't count. How many of you express gratitude to somebody else, at least one person last week? Let me see your hands. Excellent, excellent, excellent. <clears throat> I've had a recent discovery about myself, um, and I'm not so proud of this discovery, and here it is. I fail too often at expressing the gratitude that I feel in my heart. I feel it, I feel it, I truly do, but I don't express it, I don't, I don't say it. Can anybody relate? Okay, now I feel even worse. Um, it's like what William Ward said. He says this, feeling gratitude and not expressing it is like wrapping a Christmas present and not giving it. The truth is, when we say thanks, it's like handing someone a gift. You know what it is? It's a verbal high five. That's what a thanks is. And it's what better time to start giving that kind of gift than right now during the holidays. It's those kinds of gifts that, really, that people really appreciate. See, we're only four weeks away from Christmas. And there's this verse in the New Testament that keeps echoing around in my mind. Here's the verse. So then... Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thanks, thankfulness. Say these last three words with me, overflowing with thankfulness. Would you consider yourself a person who is overflowing with thankfulness? You see, the sad reality is, I think, overflowing thankfulness is not as common as you might think, even among those who are followers of Jesus. Let me ask you this question. Take a look at this, this uh, image here. How full is your gratitude cup? If this cup represented your life at this moment, how full is your gratitude? Are you empty? No gratitude? No thankfulness? Are you sometimes grateful, sometimes thankful, are you about half and half, sometimes I am, sometimes not, or are you full of gratitude? The interesting thing about the verse that we just read is being full of gratitude is not the standard. Overflowing thankfulness is the standard. I can be full of gratitude but never express it. I can be full of gratitude but never relay it to anybody else, but overflowing gratitude can't help but be expressed, and that's the kind of gratitude that Paul mentions in the New Testament. There, there are, th- 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 we are in a series called Speak Life, how to revive and redeem our holidays, and today is the wrap-up of that series, this four-week series. The whole idea behind the series comes from this book. It's a book by Mark Batterson called Please Sorry Thanks. We've been looking at this book for the last couple of weeks. These three words, please sorry and thanks, hold a lot more power over your holiday experience than perhaps you might realize. And Jesus said it like this. He said, for the mouth speaks 
what overflows from the heart. You see that? For the mouth speaks, you say what is in the overflow of your heart. In other words, what's in your heart comes out of your mouth. So if you want to redeem and revive your relationships, fill your heart with please, sorry, and thanks. That's the idea. Please opens doors. Sorry heals wounds. And thanks builds bridges in relationships. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to dig into the theology of the word thanks. Now, I think the best place to start when we think about thanks is in the Gospel of Luke. There's a pretty fascinating story there in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. Jesus tells a story about a miraculous healing from the deadly disease of leprosy. And as Jesus enters the village, the small village, the scriptures say there are 10 lepers, they see him coming, and they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Now, if you know anything about history at this time of uh, of history, leprosy was not a curable disease. In fact, leprosy was a death sentence. There, There was no cure. So lepers were quarantined from everyone, including their family. And you can kind of sense the desperation in their voice here, right? Jesus, have mercy on us. Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed, the Bible says. So Jesus sends them off to the priests. And as they're making their way to the priests, they look down and lo and behold, they have been cleansed. They have been healed. A miracle has taken place. Now, This is not the only miracle in the New Testament. There are dozens of references to Jesus doing miracles throughout the New Testament. But here's what you need to know about miracles, all miracles. First, a miracle, by definition, is self-evident, meaning it's obvious that there's been a miracle. There are no, no doubts. Otherwise, it's not really a miracle. Second, Jesus' miracles always point to something greater than the miracle, Always, there's some other, something else going on behind the miracle. The point of the miracle is not the miracle. The point of the miracle is the one who does the miracle. And what's cool about this miracle is that it wasn't just a physical healing, like a cleansing from leprosy. It was also a relational healing. No longer would these men be quarantined or abandoned. No longer would they have to not, uh, that they would have to avoid Uh, the community or be ostracized from from worship. There was this relational healing. They were no longer left to just die. And so from this day forward, they were welcomed back into society to mingle with family and friends and, and again, worship at the temple. And people often say, they ask this question, why did Jesus send them to the priests? Why didn't he just do the miracle and let them go on their way? Why did he send them to the priests? And here's the reason I think it was because Sending them to the priest was a testimony to the religious leaders as to who Jesus really is, because only God can do miracles, and that's the point of miracles. And so now they knew. The story continues. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. There are a couple of things, I think, that are important in this verse. A few things I want you to see. First, he came back. Now, I can't prove this, but I don't think he walked back to Jesus. I think he ran back to Jesus. Wouldn't you have? Here's the second thing. 
It says he shouted praise because some things need to be loud. Silent gratitude is not gratitude at all. Silent gratitude doesn't work. Gratitude unspoken is gratitude wasted. So he was loud. Third, he didn't care how dusty the ground was when he fell at Jesus' feet, as if to say thank you by his posture. See, you can say thank you in a lot of ways. You can write it, you can say it, you can send a card, but you can also demonstrate it with your posture. And this person fell at Jesus' feet as if to say thank you with his posture. Fourth, he came alone. Only one of the 10 came back. He came alone because at this moment, nothing was more important to him than expressing thanks to Jesus. And then finally, Jesus offers cleansing to everyone every day, no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, and no matter what you've done. So as good as that information is to know about that passage of scripture, let's go a little bit deeper into this story. The story's not really about lepers. It's about sinners. You get that? The story's not about lepers. It's it's about sinners, all sinners, you and me. And Jesus is saying, we have a death sentence from sin because sin has separated us from God. But the good news is Jesus takes our sin and he nails it to the cross, thereby making it possible for us to be spiritually healed, spiritually cleansed by our faith in his death, burial, and resurrection. This story is really about guilt and grace and gratitude. And it's my story and it's your story. In fact, it's the story of all humanity. So if that's the case, how should we respond to Jesus' words? Overflowing thankfulness runs back. It falls down. It shouts from the rooftops. And don't think for a second that you're not in this story of these 10 lepers. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're a leper who has already been healed. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you're a leper who needs to be healed. Either way, either way, at some point, we're all lepers. And so we continue in the story, and Jesus asks this question. He says, we're not all 10 cleansed? Where, where, where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? Jesus asks questions, not because he doesn't know the answers. He asks questions because he's driving home a point. And the point he's driving home is this. Gratitude is not a second level spiritual virtue. Gratitude is not auxiliary. It's not a, it's not a lower level spiritual virtue quality. In fact, not only is it not optional, Paul says in his words, it's a command. Gratitude is a command that, we, that we've been given by God. Here's how I think the whole event played out. Here's how I think the whole event, this whole story played out. Some of the lepers, once healed, were in a rush to get home and tell their families. They just like wanted to get home. Like, man, look what happened to me. Isn't this great? I just, they just wanted to get home. Others were probably in a state of shock, overwhelmed by their good fortune, like we don't know what to do, this is just so great. And I think it's possible that some of them, some of these lepers, might have gone looking for Jesus later. But by that time, he had gone. And they missed their opportunity to thank him. Here's the takeaway from that. Ingratitude is not always the result of a calloused heart. 
Sometimes it's just the fourth or fifth thing on our to-do list and we never get around to it. I can relate to that. I don't know about you. How many times have I forgotten to tell someone thank you? Way too many than I can count. But I don't want to get to the end of my life and have those kinds of regrets. So I need to figure out how to be a person with overflowing thankfulness. I remember my mom, before she passed, having this deep desire and making great effort to thank personally as many people as she could. Why? She didn't want regrets. And she understood that gratitude is the source of inner peace, and it's also a blessing to others. Again, look at Paul's words that we saw a moment ago. So then, just as you received Christ, Jesus as Lord, continue to live in your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Does that verse sound like it's optional to you? Like, okay, well, maybe I will, maybe I won't. Overflowing means excessive amounts. It's the kind of gratitude that cannot be contained. It's overflowing. Let me give you an example. I received a letter from a young man. He used to go to Journey, and maybe one day he will again. But uh, he had some unexpected detours in his life, and he's currently in prison. And so he writes this. He addresses it to me. He says, I cannot tell you enough how much I appreciate the correspondence I received from you. I thank you dearly for considering me in this difficult time in my life. He says, I know and believe with every fiber of my being that God saved my life and my soul and is reestablishing my mind to carry out the purpose he has predestined in my life since before I was born. As I am writing this, I am dropping tears because I love my church. I have played a part of the early years of this church, early in my life, and and uh, the amount of love and prayers that I am receiving shows me that nothing has changed in the Journey family. It is full of, of true believers who love others as Christ has loved us all. I thank you and ask that you continue to keep me in your prayers as I will keep you all in mind. Your friend and brother in Christ, Anthony. Have you ever asked yourself, what does overflowing gratitude look like? It looks like For one, a letter from prison that says thank you to a church who's poured into a young man. The Apostle Paul says it like this, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, Jesus' last words in the story of the healing of the lepers, his last words are the climax of the story. He says to the leper, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. This story has little to do with being healed from leprosy. It's not about being healed from leprosy. The physical healing was only a means to an end, and that is the spiritual healing by choosing to follow Jesus. Yes, leprosy was healed, but even better, His sins were cleansed because he chose Jesus, and that's the whole point of the story. My question is, whatever happened to the other nine? Did they ever find Jesus? They were cleansed from leprosy, sure. 
but were they cleansed from their sins? Author Nancy DeMoss says in her book, Choosing Gratitude, she says this, the other nine returned to their lives, the lives they thought they'd lost forever. They reunited with friends and family and children. I'm sure they never forgot the day when their nightmare came to an end, but unless they found their way back to Jesus sometime later in an event not recorded in the Bible, they were left to enjoy their new life with at least one caveat of emptiness. They may have come close to having everything restored to them, but they had not come close to Jesus. If you want everything restored in your life, you've got to come close to Jesus. And so as we celebrate the holidays, how can we become people with overflowing thankfulness? That's the goal, overflowing thankfulness. There are many ways, I think, but I want to focus on four that I think might be the most helpful. First, we need to realize that thankfulness is your pathway to inner peace. Thankfulness is the way that you find peace within your soul. The Apostle Paul writes, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with what? Thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When prayer teams up with gratitude, when we open our eyes wide enough to see God's mercies in the midst of our pain, when we recognize or exercise our faith and give him thanks, even when we can't see those mercies, he meets us with indescribable peace. You can translate Philippians chapter four, verse six and seven like this. Prayer plus thanksgiving equals peace. Let me offer you a practical approach to put this in action. One of the things that you can do to tackle the anxiety and the fear and the, and the pain in your life is you could start with the letter A of the alphabet and go through the entire alphabet with each letter naming something that you are thankful for that begins with that letter. And you can do all this in one day or you can stretch it out and do one letter a day every day for 26 days and think of as many things as you can with each letter, write them down. Here's what's gonna happen if you do that. Your anxiety, your fear will melt away. It'll just, it'll melt away because according to Paul, the pathway to peace is paved with prayer and thanksgiving. And it's not a probability. This is not like one of those things like, well, if I do that, it'll probably happen, no. If you do that, it's a promise that it will happen. The scriptures make it very clear. With prayer and supplication, God provides for us his indescribable peace. Second, realize that being thankful is the will of God. Being thankful is the will of God. People will ask me oftentimes, how do I know the will of God in my life? It's a common question when people are going through unexpected or tragic circumstances. You know, what's God's will for my life? And here's what's interesting. When you go to the Bible for help on God's will for your life, you don't find a lot of things to do or places to go or people to meet. That's because God's will is not so much a job, a, a place, or a specific person. It is rather the posture of your heart and a lifestyle. What you do find in the scriptures about the will of God are a few clear statements about 
God's will not just for you or not just for me, but for all of us, like this one, where he says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. You ask yourself, what's the will of God? Give thanks in all circumstances. This is what God asks of us. So when the holidays become difficult and you don't know what to do or where to go, you can choose gratitude. And if you do, you'll find yourself right in the middle of God's will. Here's the third thing. Thankfulness gets you ready for heaven. Here's my take on this. You might as well learn the language before you get there because that's the language of heaven. Gratitude is the language of heaven. That's what you'll be speaking forever in heaven. The Bible says day and night, the four living creatures in heaven never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and is to come. The 24 elders, it says in Revelation 11, fall on their faces before him saying, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. So gratitude is the anthem of heaven. This means at this very second, gratitude is the unending song in heaven. It's the, it's the praise of heaven. And every time we speak a word of thanks, we join our voices with the heavenly voices of gratitude before the throne of God. And we are preparing ourselves for what we'll be doing throughout all of eternity, glorifying God and giving thanks for who he is and what he's done. Here's the last thing to consider as we think about thankfulness in our own lives. Thankfulness is the gauge of your heart. It's the gauge of your heart. When you catch yourself being thankful, it's a sign that your heart is being drawn to God, and that's a good thing. And that you believe that God is good, that God is faithful, that God is trustworthy. The only people who can sustain a constant flow of overwhelming thankfulness are those who know who and what and where they would be if Jesus hadn't cleansed them from their leprosy of sin. I love Psalm 140. It says, surely the righteous shall give thanks to your name. If you're a righteous person who's put your hope not in the things of this world, but in the truth of Scripture and the promises of God, this verse says, surely you will be giving thanks to his name. How can you express your thanks to God or others this holiday season? Two words, two words, speak up. Speak up. When my kids were young, we used to play a game called the quiet game. Do you ever do that? You want to you do that at strategic times. But it's a game where everyone sits around looking at each other and no one speaks. And the first one to say a word loses, right? Gratitude is not the quiet game. Gratitude must be expressed. In fact, gratitude is exactly the opposite of the quiet game. So who do you need to say thank you to this holiday season? Thank you for including me this holiday season even though our relationship has been strained. Thank you for the phone call or the text just to wish me a Merry Christmas. Thank you for loving me even though I'm not the easiest person to love. 
Thank you for speaking truth into my life, even though I have a hard time listening to it. Thank you for your patience as I try to figure things out. Thank you, Jesus, for cleansing me of all my sins. And thank you, God, for your indescribable gift of Jesus. Three words. Please, sorry, and thanks. A pretty please opens hearts and minds and doors. A simple sorry mends relationships, even your relationship with God. And a heartfelt thanks, you know what that does? That builds bridges between people. Let's get good at saying all three of those words because if you want to change your life, if you want to redeem and revive your holidays, you have to use life-giving words because words create worlds. Why not start today with those three words, please and sorry and thanks. They will change your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for just this opportunity that we can come to you. And we feel the the guilt of not being overwhelmingly thankful as much as we should. You've called us to a higher calling, a calling of gratitude that's to be expressed, to be shared, to honor other people and to encourage them. A gratitude that comes from our heart, not out of compulsion, not out of coercion, but freely from the overflow of the gift of grace and the gift of salvation that you've given us. May we be people of gratitude, especially this holiday season as we think about all of the circumstances of our lives. Some are good, some are bad. Some of our our relationships are strong and some are weak. But in every circumstance, may we offer a thank you, a word of gratitude. May we give that gift all season. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the weekly podcast from Jordy Christian Church. If this message was a blessing to you, be sure to click the follow button and share it with your family and friends. For more information about Jordy Christian Church, please go to Jordy Christian dot com.